0: Section 3 of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 5, by Alexander Dumont. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Celebrated Crimes, Volume 5, by Alexander Dumont, Section 3 this accusation emanated from too insignificant a quarter to have any effect on derues reputation however resentful he may have been at the time he got over it in consequence of the reiterated remarks of interest shown by his neighbours and all the quarter on account of his supposed ruin and the hawker's attack passed out of his mind or probably she might have paid for her boldness with her life but this drunken woman had nonetheless uttered a prophetic word. It was the grain of sand on which later he was to be shipwrecked. All passions, says Le Bourriere, all passions are deceitful. They disguise themselves as much as possible from the public eye. They hide from themselves. There is no vice which has not a counterfeit resemblance to some virtue, and which does not profit by it. The whole life of derues bears testimony to the truth of this observation an avaricious poisoner he attracted his victims by the pretense of fervent and devoted piety and drew them into the snare where he silently destroyed them his terrible celebrity only began in seventeen seventy seven caused by the double murder of madame lamotte and her son and his name unlike those of some other great criminals does not at first recall a long series of crimes, but when one examines this low, crooked, and obscure life, one finds a fresh stain at every step, and perhaps no one has ever surpassed him in dissimulation, in profound hypocrisy, in indefatigable depravity. Deruse was executed at thirty-two, and his whole life was steeped in vice, though happily so short it is full of horror and is only a tissue of criminal thoughts and deeds a very essence of evil he had no hesitation no remorse no repose no relaxation he seemed compelled to lie to steal to poison occasionally suspicion is aroused the public has its doubts and vague rumours hover around him but he burrows under new impostures and punishment passes by. When he falls into the hands of human justice, his reputation protects him, and for a few days more the legal sword is turned aside. Hypocrisy is so completely a part of his nature that even when there is no longer any hope, when he is irrevocably sentenced, and he knows that he can no longer deceive anyone, neither mankind nor him whose name he profanes by his last sacrilege, yet he exclaims o christ i shall suffer even as thou it is only by the light of his funeral pyre that the dark places of his life can be examined that this bloody plot is unravelled and that other victims forgotten and lost in the shadows arise like spectres at the foot of the scaffold and escort the assassin to his doom let us trace rapidly the history of derues early years effaced and forgotten in the notoriety of his death these few pages are not written for the glorification of crime and if our own days as a result of the corruption of our manners and of a deplorable confusion of all notions of right and wrong it has been sought to make him an object of public interest we on our part only wish to bring him into notice and place him momentarily on a pedestal in order to cast him still lower that his fall may be yet greater what has been permitted by god may be related by man decaying and satiated communities need not be treated as children they require neither diplomatic handling nor precaution and it may be good that they should see and touch the putrescent sores which canker them why fear to mention that which every one knows why dread to sound the abyss which can be measured by everyone? one why fear to bring into the light of day unmask wickedness even though it confronts the public gaze unblushingly extreme turpitude and extreme excellence are both in the schemes of providence and the poet has summed up eternal morality for all ages and nations in this sublime exclamation "Abstulit honc tandem rufini poem tumultum besides We cannot insist too earnestly that our intention must not be mistaken. If we had wished to inspire any other sentiment than that of horror, we should have chosen a more imposing personage from the annals of crime. There have been deeds which required audacity, a sort of grandeur, a false heroism. There have been criminals who held in check all the regular and legitimate forces of society, and whom one regarded with a mixture of terror and pity. There is nothing of that in Derues, not even a trace of courage, nothing but a shameless cupidity, exercising itself at first in the theft of a few pence filched from the poor, nothing but the illicit gains and rascalities of a cheating shopkeeper and vile money lender, a depraved cowardice which dared not strike openly, but slew in the dark it is the story of an unclean reptile which drags itself underground leaving everywhere the trail of its poisonous saliva such was the man whose life we have undertaken to narrate a man who represents a complete type of wickedness and who corresponds to the most hideous sketch ever devised by poet or romance writer facts without importance of their own which would be childish if recorded of anyone else obtain a somber reflection from other facts which precede them, and thenceforth cannot be passed over in silence. The historian is obliged to collect and note them as showing the logical development of this degraded being. He unites them in sequence and counts the successive steps of the latter mounted by the criminal. We have seen the early exploit of this assassin by instinct we find him twenty years later an incendiary and fraudulent bankrupt what has happened in the interval with how much treachery and crime had he filled this space of twenty years let us return to his infancy his unconquerable tastes for theft caused him to be expelled by the relations who had taken charge of him an anecdote is told which shows his impudence and incurable perversity one day he was caught taking some money and was soundly whipped by his cousins when this was over the child instead of showing any sorrow or asking forgiveness ran away with a sneer and seeing they were out of breath exclaimed you're tired are you well i'm not despairing of any control over this evil disposition the relations refused to keep him and sent him to chartres where two other cousins agreed to have him out of charity they were simple-minded women of great and sincere piety who imagined that good example and religious teaching might have a happy influence on their young relation the result was contrary to their expectation the sole fruit of their teaching was that derues learned to be a cheat and a hypocrite and to assume the mask of respectability here also repeated thefts ensured him sound corrections knowing his cousin's extreme economy not to say avarice he mocked them when they broke a laugh over his shoulders there now i am so glad that will cost you two farthings his benefactress's patience became exhausted he left their house and was apprenticed to a tin man at chart his master died and an ironmonger of the same town took him as shop-boy and from this he passed on to a druggist and grocer until now although fifteen years old he had shown no preference for one trade more than another but it was now necessary he should choose some profession and his share in the family property amounted to the modest sum of three thousand five hundred livres his residence with this last master revealed a decided taste but it was only another evil instinct developing itself the poisoner had scented poison being always surrounded with drugs which were health-giving or hurtful according to the use made of them derues would probably have settled at chartres but repeated thefts obliged him to leave the town the profession of druggist and grocer being one which presented most chances of fortune and being moreover adapted to his taste his family apprenticed him to a grocer in the rue comtesse d'artois paying a specified premium for him derues arrived in paris in seventeen sixty it was a new horizon where he was unknown no suspicion attached to him and he felt much at his ease lost in the noise and the crowd of this immense receptacle for every vice he had time to found on hypocrisy his reputation as an honest man when his apprenticeship expired his master proposed to place him with his sister-in-law who kept a similar establishment in the rue saint victor and who had been a widow for several years he recommended de rues as a young man whose zeal and intelligence might be useful in her business being ignorant of various embezzlements committed by his late apprentice who was always clever enough to cast suspicion on others but the negotiation nearly fell through because one day derues so far forgot his usual prudence and dissimulation as to allow himself to make the observation recorded above to his mistress she horrified ordered him to be silent and threatened to ask her husband to dismiss him it required a double amount of hypocrisy to remove this unfavourable impression but he spared no pains to obtain the confidence of the sister-in-law who was much influenced in his favour every day he inquired what could be done for her every evening he took a basket-load of the goods she required from the rue comtesse and it excited the pity of all beholders to see this weakly young man, panting and sweating under his heavy burden, refusing any reward, and laboring merely for the pleasure of obliging, and from a natural kindness of heart. The poor widow, whose spoils he was already coveting, was completely duped. She rejected the advice of her brother-in-law, and only listened to the concert of praises sung by neighbors much edified by Derue's conduct and touched by the interest he appeared to show her often he found occasion to speak of her always with the liveliest expressions of boundless devotion these remarks were repeated to the good woman and seemed all the more sincere to her as they appeared to have been made quite casually and she never suspected they were carefully calculated and thought out long before derues carried dishonesty as far as possible but he knew how to stop when suspicion was likely to be aroused, and though always planning either to deceive or to hurt, he was never taken by surprise. Like the spider which spreads the threads of her web all round her, he concealed himself in a net of falsehood which one had to traverse before arriving at his real nature. The evil destiny of this poor woman, mother of four children, caused her to engage him as her shopman in the year 1767 thereby signing the warrant for her own ruin derues began life under his new mistress with a master stroke his exemplary piety was the talk of the whole quarter and his first care had been to request madame legrand to recommend him a confessor she sent him to the director of her late husband pere cartot of the carmelite order who astonished at the devotion of his penitent never failed if he passed the shop to enter and congratulate madame legrand on the excellent acquisition she had made in securing this young man who would certainly bring her a blessing along with him derues affected the greatest modesty and blushed at these praises and often when he saw the good father approaching appeared not to see him and found something to do elsewhere whereby the field was left clear for his too credulous panegyrists. But Pere Cartot appeared too indulgent, and Derues feared that his sins were too easily pardoned, and he dared not find peace in an absolution which was never refused. Therefore, before the year was out, he chose a second confessor, Pere Denis, a Franciscan, consulting both alternately, and confiding his conscientious scruples to them. Every penance appeared too easy and he added to those enjoined by his directors continual mortifications of his own devising so that even tartuffe himself would have owned his superiority he wore about him two shrouds to which were fastened relics of madame la chantelle also a medal of saint francois de sops and occasionally scourged himself his mistress related that he had begged her to take a sitting at the church of saint nicholas in order that he might more easily attend service when he had a day out, and had brought her a small sum which he had saved to pay half the expense. Moreover, he had slept upon straw during the whole of Lent, and took care that Madame Legrand heard of this through the servant, pretending at first to hide it as if it were something wrong. He tried to prevent the maid from going into his room, and when she found out the straw, he forbade her to mention it which naturally made her more anxious to relate her discovery. Such a piece of piety, combined with such meritorious humility, such dread of publicity, could only increase the excellent opinion which everyone already had of him. Every day was marked by some fresh hypocrisy. One of his sisters, a novice in the convent of the Ladies of the Visitation of the Virgin, was to take the veil at Easter. Deruse obtained permission to be present at the ceremony, and was to start on foot on Good Friday. When he departed, the shop happened to be full of people, and the gossips of the neighborhood inquired where he was going. Madame Legrand desired him to have a glass of liqueur, wine he never touched, and something to eat before starting. "'Oh, Madame!' he exclaimed, "'do you think I could eat on a day like this, the day on which Christ was crucified? I will take a piece of bread with me.' but I shall only eat it at the inn where I intend to sleep. I mean to fast the whole way. But this kind of thing was not sufficient. He wanted an opportunity to establish a reputation for honesty on a firm basis. Chance provided one, and he seized it immediately, although at the expense of a member of his own family. One of his brothers, who kept a public house at Chartres, came to see him. Derues, under the pretense of showing him the sights of Paris, which he did not know, asked his mistress to allow him to take in the brother for a few days, which she granted. The last evening of his stay, Derues went up to his room, broke open the box which contained his clothes, turned over everything it contained, examined the clothes, and, discovering two new cotton nightcaps, raised a cry which brought up the household." His brother just then returned, and de Ruse called him an infamous thief, declaring that he had stolen the money for these new articles out of the shop the evening before. His brother defended himself, protesting his innocence, and, indignant at such incomprehensible treachery, endeavored to turn the tables by relating some of Antoine's early misdeeds. The latter, however, stopped him, by declaring on his honor that he had seen his brother the evening before go to the till, slip his hand in, and take out some money. The brother was confounded and silenced by so audacious a lie. He hesitated, stammered, and was turned out of the house. Derues worthily crowned this piece of iniquity by obliging his mistress to accept the restitution of the stolen money. It cost him three livres, twelve sous, but the interest it brought him was the power of stealing unsuspected that evening he spent in prayer for the pardon of his brother's supposed guilt all these schemes had succeeded and brought him nearer to the desired goal for not a soul in the quarter ventured to doubt the word of this saintly individual his fawning manners and insinuating language varied according to the people addressed he adapted himself to all contradicting no one and while austere himself he flattered the taste of others in the various houses where he visited his conversation was serious grave and sententious and as we have seen he could quote scripture with the readiness of a theologian in the shop when he had to deal with the lower classes he showed himself acquainted with their modes of expression and spoke the Billingsgate of the market-woman which he had acquired in the rue comtesse d'artois treating them familiarly and they generally addressed him as gossip denies By his own account, he easily judged the characters of the various people with whom he came in contact. However, Père Cartol's prophecy was not fulfilled. The blessing of heaven did not descend on the Le Grand Establishment. There seemed to be a succession of misfortunes, which all Derues' zeal and care as a shopman could neither prevent nor repair. He by no means contented himself with parading an idle and fruitless hypocrisy and his most abominable deceptions were not those displayed in the light of day he watched by night his singular organization outside the ordinary laws of nature appeared able to dispense with sleep gliding about on tiptoe opening doors noiselessly with all the skill of an accomplished thief he pillaged shop and cellar and sold his plunder in remote parts of the town under assumed names it is difficult to understand how his strength "'supported the fatigue of this double existence. "'He had barely arrived at puberty, "'and Art had been obliged to assist "'the retarded development of nature. "'But he lived only for evil, "'and the spirit of evil supplied the physical vigor "'which was wanting. "'An insane love of money, the only passion he knew, "'brought him by degrees back to his starting point of crime. "'He concealed it in hiding places wrought in the thick walls, "'in holes dug out by his nails.' as soon as he got any he brought it exactly as a wild beast brings a piece of bleeding flesh to his lair and often by the glimmer of a dark lantern kneeling in adoration before this shameful idol his eyes sparkling with ferocious joy with a smile which suggested a hyena's delight over its prey he would contemplate his money counting and kissing it these continual thefts brought trouble into the legrand affairs cancelled all profits and slowly brought on ruin the widow had no suspicion of derue's disgraceful dealings and he carefully referred the damage to other causes quite worthy of himself sometimes it was a bottle of oil or a brandy or some other commodity which was found spilt broken or damaged which accidents he attributed to the enormous quantity of rats which infested the cellar in the house at length unable to meet her engagements madame legrand made the business over to him in february 1770 he was then twenty-five years and six months old and was accepted as a merchant grocer in august the same year by an agreement drawn up between them derues undertook to pay twelve hundred livres for the goodwill and to lodge her rent free during the remainder of her lease which had still nine years to run Being thus obliged to give up business and to escape bankruptcy, Madame Legrand surrendered to her creditors any goods remaining in her warehouse, and Derues easily made arrangements to take them over very cheaply. The first step thus made, he was now able to enrich himself safely and to defraud with impunity under the cover of his stolen reputation. End of Section 3